Hey guys, welcome to the Metaphobia Podcast. Uh, just real quick before the show starts, um, I did record this on my headphones. This uh, particular section here is what it's going to sound like through the whole five minute or so long podcast. Really sorry, I'm just I'm at work right now, but I really wanted to get this content out as soon as I could. So uh, yeah, sorry about the quality, but um, I hope this gives you some value. Also, if it did, please, I really definitely need the reviews. It's been awesome to get a few reviews, but I need so many more to keep this podcast going up in the ranks. Um, we're definitely hitting it. If you type in the Amet, it like comes up right away. So um, the Emetophobia podcast is on the rankings, but um, with your help, uh, it can definitely help out a lot more. So thank you guys so much for all the support. Let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Emetophobia Podcast. I am currently at work about to clean a toilet out with a toilet brush, but I wanted to come on tonight and just give a quick talk about um, kind of my emetophobia journey lately. Uh, I know I've been making the podcast for a little while and I kind of put up this whole front that like, you know, I'm over emetophobia, that doesn't even fucking bother me anymore. But at the end of the day, like, I, I still, it still affects me. Uh, it's not to that extent anymore to where like I'm stuck in my house and I'm unable to leave or do anything or, you know, it's not to that extent anymore, but it still does affect me day to day where I still have problems with like uh, expired food. I have problems with uh, cleaning dishes off still. I still have problems going to restaurants and like kind of wondering, like, I wonder how the kitchen looks back there. I wonder if they're actually cleaning things like they should. I wonder if anybody washed their hands like they should have. And so, I mean, obviously, I I still think about these things. I just want to become kind of more transparent with you guys and say that although I make the podcast and I kind of, um, you know, it it kind of seems like everything's all fine and dandy, like I am still affected by this day to day. Uh, But with a lot of the things I've been doing over the last couple of years with uh, the mentality growth and uh, trying to, you know, start businesses, trying to get into these like new avenues of my life to kind of uh, boost myself up a little more, um, the emetophobia has almost gone down and down and down to where um, it's almost non-existent. I still have the behaviors though, is what I'm trying to say. So um, those, the little OCD things that you just can't really seem to get away away from um, are what I still have now. So um, I just want to tell you that like, uh, if you feel like you're over your emetophobia and you're still kind of getting those um, behaviors here and there, like OCD things happening, just know that everything's okay. Like you're still on your path. You're still doing the right thing. If you have a bad day here and there, there's nothing wrong with that. And if um, you feel really down and like, oh man, like, you know, today's just a really shitty day. I'm getting that frog in my throat. I'm getting nauseous. Just remember, I still get that too sometimes. It still affects me just like it affects everybody else. Um, But it's all about the way you react to it and the way you deal with it. And I think that in a lot of people's cases, they let it kind of compound interest on their mentality and it just gets worse and worse and worse when in all reality it's all it's more about becoming aware of it and being in the moment and being mindful and saying hey yeah i have emetophobia it's bothering me right now but i need to focus on the task at hand which is you know uh, for example going to work or i need to focus on going to this party with my friends um that's where the i call it your your um 
uh, mental currency. Like, where do you want to spend that currency at? Do you want to spend your mental currency on negative uh, toxic things like the emetophobia and little voices in your head that all the what ifs, all that kind of stuff? Or would you rather spend that mental currency on something positive like um, spending it uh, with, with your friends or with your family or spending it watching a nice movie with your significant other or things like that, you know? So um, it, it just, I'm making this episode kind of as a filler episode in between a couple, but I just want to like let everybody know that if you're having a bad day or if your metaphobia is affecting you and you've been doing really well lately, that it's okay. Like that's going to happen to all of us. We're all going to have days that are bad. It can't just be perfect every single day. But the whole point of this podcast episode is to say that it's all about how you react. Reaction is key. So if you're reacting in a negative, like almost uh, tense way, that's kind of the way that you're not supposed to react in those situations. Kind of be a little more fluid with it, more open, more positive. Think positive thoughts. Um, keep reassuring yourself that everything's going to be okay. And I promise you that everything will be okay. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry it's a little shorter. Um, just kind of had this thought while I was at work, just so that you know, like full transparency. I'm not perfect. I'm not like this, you know, completely over emetophobia kind of guy. Like I say, I'm, I, I know I like kind of come off that way on the podcast, but at the end of the day, like these things do affect me still. It's just, I have a lot better reaction to them now than I used to, because I understand it a little bit more. Um, and I think that understanding it is key and doing your research, talking about it, talking with your friends, come on the podcast and talk about it or DM somebody in the, you can go to my followers right now. And pretty much everybody that follows me has a metaphobia. So um, or look at the, the comments on the posts. Like you'll see people that have a metaphobia. If you want to reach out to anybody, I'm sure they'll be fine with you DMing them and saying, Hey, what's up? Like, can we have a conversation? If you ever want to talk to me, I'm always down to talk. I'm always down to have advice. Um, I'm having uh, uh, somebody on the podcast this Friday. That's going to be talking a lot about uh, mental health. A lot of questions are going to be asked. A lot of answers are going to be given. So um, that should be very valuable for my, my listeners. So keep an eye out for that one, but I hope you guys have a wonderful night. Everything's going to be okay. And uh, just keep going on with this emetophobia journey. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You got to really put in the work, but I promise you that one day, um, this is all, you're going to look back at this and say like, I can't even believe that that was a problem like that when it was, you know? So um, anyway, yeah, throw me a DM, the emetophobia podcast, the emetophobia podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send me an email, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all the support. Please go down and rate and subscribe. Thank you. I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening. You guys mean the world to me. I love all of you. Thank you so much for the support. Um, I do have a new Snapchat. If you guys would like to um, go to it, I think it's called, um, I could, I don't know. It's on the Instagram. Um, you'll see a photo down. If you just scroll a little bit, you'll see my snap code on there. Um, I'll, sh I'll start plugging it a little more in the next podcast episodes, but uh, yeah, we go back to normal, uh, podcast tomorrow. I do have an episode tomorrow, um, with a lovely lady. So we'll have her on, uh, early in the morning. I'll have it released and then I will be doing another um, interview tomorrow. So back to normal schedule tomorrow. Just today was kind of a weird one. So, um, getting this out kind of late, but, um, again, love you guys. Thank you all for the support and we'll see you on the next, on the next episode.
Hey, there we go. Oh, hey. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, good. We are recording, so just wanted to let you know that we're all ready to go. Um, how's, how's the day going today? Having a good day? Yeah, it's pretty good. I um, had the day off today, so I've just been chilling. Um, is my internet okay? Yeah, yeah, you look fine. Sounds good. Oh, cool. Everything's good. Like yeah. a notification saying your internet's unstable, so just let me know. <laughs> yeah, no, on my end, it, it sounds and looks great, so no problem, no problem. But yeah, it's nice to have a day off for sure. I, I, oh, am I cutting out a little bit? Oh, you are too a little bit there. A little laggy. You've frozen. What I might do is, if you can hear me, um, I'm going to try and get the Ethernet cable and connect it like that because the internet's a bit dodgy. I'll be back in like two minutes. I'll come out okay. meeting. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey. Sorry, I just had the meeting is being recorded. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I couldn't find the Ethernet cables, so we'll see how it goes. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Let's see how it goes. Um, let's just get right into it. Let's hear uh, maybe your metaphobia backstory and maybe a little bit about you if you want to share anything. Yeah, cool. Um, so my name's Emily. I'm 24 years old. Um, I'm a photographer. I'm also a PA. Um, and yeah, my emetophobia backstory. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always been like a bit of like an anxious child person, um, always sort of had anxious tendencies. Um, I'd say the first time, I'm not sure if this was like the trigger, which sort of like caused the emetophobia or whether this was just sort of the first time I can remember it. Um, but when I was in primary school, um, it's a bit of a horrible story. Am I okay? Do I have to sort of do any warnings for trigger words? No, I've, I've kind of just been uh, rolling with it lately. I kind of want to, it's just like a small little form of exposure therapy for the listeners, I guess. It's, I, I can put a warning in between the first part of the episode as well, just in case. So, cool. No, I, no, I get that actually. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was in the playground, it was at lunchtime and then a girl approached me. Um, I've no idea why, but she just said, oh, Emily, my friend is being sick. Um, and I turned around and there was this girl, I can literally still remember like exactly what she was wearing to a tee. She was wearing this like big puffer, blue and like pink flowery coat. And she was just being sick, sort of all down herself. And mm. I don't know sort of what happened to me, but I just went a bit nuts. I started sort of running around the playground. I was um, sort of screaming to try and find someone to grab like a teacher or someone to sort of take her away. Um, and it was like, you know, looking back on it, it was so embarrassing, but sort of in that moment, I was just so sort of panic stricken, um, grabbing like other like students and saying, you know, someone get a teacher, someone get a teacher. Um, so that's sort of like the first time I can remember being really affected by it. And then the next day, um, 
I because I, I wrote an article, didn't I, for the um for your blog? I was just about I, to say, I was like, this sounds very familiar. I was like, I yeah, think you wrote an article, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, yeah, you're good. This is this is in the article. So then, yeah, at the school gates, I had to be literally dragged away from my mum um because I, I just thought for some reason if I was to go into school the next day I would catch the bug like whatever that girl had um so I had to be dragged away I was you know crying um so yeah that's sort of like the origin of it um well that I that I can remember um but yeah just sort of from that point onwards I've had sort of um many many um events or whatever you want to call it with my metaphobia and things like that so that's definitely where it probably started sure how does it affect you nowadays so I'm definitely far better than when I was when I was younger um nowadays mm, I'd say it only really affects me when I'm sort of traveling or um, I'm around sort of people drinking so at parties and things like that obviously with food yeah. I'm always super careful with food I always overcook the shit out of my food when I'm cooking um I'm always you know checking things um but it definitely doesn't rule my life now than you know when it did when I was younger when I was younger it was sort of my whole life was sort of based around that and every decision I made every you know event I went to anything like that was always sort of a metaphobia focused that was always like the the crux yeah. of it um but yeah I'm, I am a lot better um, obviously, it, I, you know, it's not gone. I don't think it will ever go. I think it will always be a part of me, but I've definitely sort of learned how to cope with it better. Um, I have, you know, great people around me that are supportive. Um, yeah, so I think, and I think especially as a child, you, I think just in general, you feel out of control anyway. Like, you know, you're putting yeah. your trust into adults, you know, teachers, parents, you know, to sort of keep you safe. Whereas now it's sort of, you know, I, I can drive, I can, you know, leave when I want to. I can, you know... I have my own safe spaces. I have my own coping mechanisms that I can sort of do for myself. Um, so maybe that that is an element of it that I'm not sort of relying on other people to take me out of a situation and things like that. So um, yeah, definitely better now. But I wanted <laughs> to um, touch for one second on the food thing you were talking about. I, I've never really said this on the podcast, but I, I've worked at a lot of restaurants in my life. And when I worked at was at a hotel, it was a really high class hotel where they served a lot of like hoity-toity food you know what I mean and they have this stuff called steak tartare which is anything tartare is just raw meat so uh, but my my chef's uh, the, the guy I was working through he was always about this whole like you have to taste it if you're going to sell it to people you got to know what it tastes like if you're going to be giving this to people to eat and I was like dude I don't know if I can do that man and so one day but I did I took a big spoonful and just ate it and it was delicious it was super duper good I didn't get sick everything was fine and he explained to me like how meat works and how it's cooled properly and if it's fresh and it's not like some processed meat that comes from somewhere it's like this is local cows that were raised here in the the area we're at all this stuff so um, that day moving forward, like kind of got me into this new thought process on food to be like, well, maybe if I do try some new stuff here and there, like, it might not be the worst idea in the world, but I think that was the push I needed to be like, dude, I eat raw meat, like straight up raw meat. <laughs> and like, that was like, I was like, I can't eat anything worse than that. I feel like, so that was a real big deciding factor in my head. So just kind of like the, the sum up of all this is just like trying new foods is, is usually a good thing. It's just all about the thought process afterwards to be like, I'm good. Like everything's fine. I'm going to move on and I'm going to try more new stuff here and there. So I just want yeah. to put that in there yeah, a little no, bit. I like, I've actually done the same. I've, I've tried steak tartare and this was like um, at a work event like a couple of years ago and they were sort of handing them around. I didn't actually know until I'd eaten it. And someone was like, Oh, that's steak tartare. And I was thinking, doesn't that mean it's raw? And I was kind of like, oh my God, this is like, you know, I started panicking a bit, but yeah, it was, it was, it was delicious. It was so good, yeah. but I'm definitely the same. I've sort of started becoming more adventurous with 
foods I would eat and um you know when I was younger it was one of those things I would never go to a restaurant that either like I like a I hadn't eaten at before or b someone I know hadn't eaten at before whereas now I'm a lot more um yeah let's try somewhere different or let's try someone we've you know we've never tried before some something like that um yeah I think you do like obviously like you said you you were so happy that you sort of pushed yourself out of your comfort zone you had that push from someone um and yeah definitely doing that has you know like you know exposure therapy whatever you want to call it um has definitely made me more adventurous yeah with definitely things like food do you ever find yourself looking at reviews of restaurants before you go there yeah that's always my thing always (laughs) if i see one food poisoning review i'm like no we're not going there literally (laughs) straight away i'm like oh no sorry we can't go there and like you know obviously i'm sure this is common with you know everyone that has a metaphobia if you have experienced food poisoning from somewhere you're obviously never going back there again so for example when i was younger i had food poisoning at kfc Mm. and i had food poisoning at burger king so um neither i have ever eaten ever again and probably never will um, probably a good thing though yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it is. I mean yeah it's like you know it's bad for you so but um yeah it's like super traumatic and like um scarring so yeah yeah <laughs> what are some uh, coping skills you picked up over the years like some good ones that you could maybe give some advice to other people who are are struggling nowadays with my phobia hmm, coping skills I mean just just in general I have anxiety anyway so obviously you know anxiety attacks can happen when you know sort of my metaphobia flares up um one thing that I learned from a doctor and I'm you know I'm not sure if this is true I'm assuming it is it was my GP um sure. she said um you know obviously like breathing exercises everyone with anxiety you know is, is told them but what she said is if you exhale longer than you're inhaling it slows your heart rate and I think for me that's been really helpful because I don't know about you but when my heart starts beating really fast I feel nauseous like I, I immediately feel yeah sick. and like yeah when I when I felt super anxious in situations or I'm, I'm starting to feel nauseous you know because of my heart racing I'll sort of you know breathe in for a count of say eight and then exhale for a count of ten and apparently if you sort of like do that consistently it slows your heart rate you know slowly yeah. um other things I mean something that really changed my life I, you'd think as, you know, an emetophobe that this would be something that I was always aware of, but um, we have, I'm not, I'm not sure what they would call it in America. It might be Tums, I think it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. Antacids. Yep. Yeah. So I only found out about them and maybe about three years ago. And you'd think that I would have like always known about that, right? Because like, right. you know, I think that's quite a common thing for people with emetophobia to sort of have on hand all the time. Um, but that has definitely helped me because I think a lot of time, you know, things with like indigestion, heartburn, uh, makes you panic it makes you think mm-hmm. oh my god I feel sick there's something going wrong you know the food's not being digested properly so uh yeah. antacids are really helpful to me um but yeah I'd say the biggest one I use is is the breathing is sort of like the exhaling longer just slowing my heart rate that really does help me um and and just like talking to people as well like letting people around me know I'm starting to feel this kind of way please be patient yeah. with me because you know obviously when you keep it in you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. So like, you know, speaking out, sometimes even just saying it out loud, you sort of realize how maybe you're overthinking this and, you know, saying it out loud might actually sound a little bit silly type thing, you know, oh, I'm panicking about this. And then when you say it, you're kind of thinking, oh, actually maybe that, that is a bit silly. Cause when it's stuck in your head, you, you know, it just goes round and round, it just gets worse and worse. Um, but I'm very vocal and I'm very, um, you know, especially with like my boyfriend, my family, I'm always saying, you know, I'm starting to feel a bit unwell 
you know, I'm, I'm just a bit anxious, just letting you know, type thing. And mm-hmm. I think that makes them, they're like, you know, able to be there to support you type thing. Yeah. Well, it, it, it comes from like a point of feeling out of control. So I feel like when you tell people stuff like that, now you're a little bit more in control of the situation. So if like you do anything weird, at least they know like, oh yeah, she's just not feeling well right now. Like we, we understand her thing. I want to talk about that a little bit too. Um, how did, how did you explain it to your family and how did they take that information? Were they very supportive or were they just like, well, yeah, nobody likes to be sick. <laughs> oh that is like the common thing isn't it everyone you know oh no one yeah. likes to be sick and I'm like yeah but I really don't like it <laughs> you know yeah. um so I mean obviously my, my parents are the best parents in the world and you know they're so supportive however I think you know it is an irrational fear right it's kind of you know we know being sick isn't going to kill us we know that seeing someone be sick isn't going to kill us but for some reason we have this sort of like life or death fear So it's always hard for people to understand and sort of cope with, especially when you're being, you know, what would be considered difficult. So, you know, I'm causing problems in the sense of we're going on a family trip. I don't want to sit in the back because I'm scared that I'm going to get car sick, things like that. So I think there's always cases of, you know, you're irritating people and they're sort of finding it hard to, you know, know what to do with you because they've never experienced this before. Uh, But I think over the years, my parents, like through talking with them about it, they've sort of grown to understand it more and don't get me wrong there's still times where you know literally the other day I asked my dad if he could like cut the raw chicken for me because I just didn't want to touch it and he you know kind of rolls his eyes like oh god you know I'll do it um but yeah they've, they've definitely sort of over time become a lot more understanding of it but I actually listened to your most recent podcast about um I can't remember her name it was really lovely she was Scottish Charlotte yeah yeah and you guys were talking about sort of like how you explain it to people and she used like the plane analogy and you Mm -hmm. talked about like the spider analogy and I have a similar thing where I find that people sort of um get frustrated with me especially in this scenario when someone says I feel kind of sick and then you say oh whoa okay like are you going to be sick and they're like oh my god calm down like I'm not you know I probably won't be I'm probably going to be fine and the best way I can describe it to them is you have a fear of spiders and someone says oh like I've got a tarantula in my pocket and I might get it out like I yeah. might get it out at any point and then you say like whoa I don't want to see your tarantula like I've got a fear of spiders and they say oh my god calm down like I'm probably not going to get it out but you're sort of sat there knowing that they've got a tarantula in their pocket type thing yeah. <laughs> Do you know and what I was mean? like oh it might just escape out of my pocket and I might yeah, just have might... to run away I don't know it's just yeah, yeah like, it's so random yeah you know, it might just happen at any moment like I'm really sorry if it does and then you're just like oh my god like I can't cope with that so um that's like the best way and I think there's been often times when I've used that analogy and people kind of go, oh, okay. Because um, like you said, the, the most common sort of reaction is, well, no one likes being sick. And it's like, yeah. yes, I know it's not a pleasant experience, but for me, it's an actual phobia. So that's like the best way I can describe it. So yeah, yeah. like my family have always been super supportive, even at times when they didn't understand. Um, I think they've always tried to understand. And like I said, I've, I've, I'm just an anxious person anyway. So I think for them, it was probably oh, it's Emily being anxious type thing, you know? Yeah. Um, it always comes at the worst times too. I've noticed that with my girlfriend where like, we'll be downstate visiting her parents somewhere. Like we go down, we live in Michigan. So we go down to Detroit a lot and visit around there. But um, 
we'll be down there and something, I mean, I'll just be anxious because we're in a new place. It's very busy, very bustling. There's a lot of people around. So um, she wants to go do things. And for her, it's very normal. And just like, she needs to go do whatever she wants. But I get certain kinds of social anxiety around a lot of people I don't know. Cause I'm just like, I don't know what's going to happen here, man. There's a lot of people here. And there are a lot of people that are drunk and doing things. And I just don't know what's going to happen. So for me, I get very nauseous and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go in that building right now. Can we like just circle her back around and like try in a second? And she'll be like, no, just come on, let's just go. And then she gets a little bit like, you know, anxious about it. And I'm just like, all right, let's do it. But it, it pushes me too. I mean, it helps me out in the long run, but at the, at, in the moment, I'm just like, dude, this is scary. Like, I don't know if I'm going to do this right now, but yeah, I understand where you're coming from. It's, it's just weird, but. No, I, I really get that. And, and like my boyfriend's the same. Cause obviously like, you know, being with someone, obviously being in close proximity with someone that's sort of having these like anxieties that you consider so abnormal and so strange that you've never sort of experienced before. I can imagine it probably can be frustrating and things like, you know, if we're planning to go out, you know, say to the cinema, cause I get anxious around the cinema. I'm not sure why, yeah. but I, you know, it's one of those places and, you know, it's sort of coming up to it and it should be, you know, a nice experience. It should be, oh yeah, we're going to go see a movie. We're going to get some popcorn. It's just going to be a chilled night. But for me, it's, um, it's like a build up. It's scary. So obviously, you know, for my boyfriend, it's kind of like, oh, come on, you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone. And I'm, and in the moment I get really frustrated with him. So I'm like, it's not that easy. And, you know, it's pretty hard for me, but I'm really glad that he does. Cause there's been so many instances where he's really pushed me to go out and I've done it. And I've felt like I've, you know, sort of like conquered the world. I've really done something, you know, conquered something in that moment where, you know, for some, for some person, it's just, you know, going to see a movie. But for me, it's like, I actually did something really important there for myself. And he was sort of there to help me through it. And sort of you know be my support system type thing so yeah, yeah. I, I do completely get that how did you find out about your metaphobia did you just do some research did you some friend tell you counseling what, what happened with that so I always knew that I had a phobia of sick I just never knew there was a name for it I just thought it was something that I had and no I didn't know anyone and still to this day don't know anyone else um close to me that has it um but then one day my sister sent me an article um, and it was written by a girl that has a metaphobia and sort of the title was a metaphobia, you know, sort of like my story. And um, when she sent it to me, she was like, oh, my God, this must be what you have. And when mm. I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this is what I have. This is crazy. It was like everything she was saying. I was just like, this is me. This is my life. Um, it was, yeah, really, really weird experience because I was just, you know, I never knew it had a name. I just always thought it was some weird sort of brain yeah. thing that I had that I just was scared of you know this thing um so yeah that's how I found out about it and after that I sort of you know did my own research um found you know support groups like yours like you know Instagram pages Facebook pages articles um and that's really helped me because like I said I've never met anyone in my life um that has a metaphobia and like going onto these you know Instagram pages where there's thousands of people sort of you know commenting oh my god this is like and like even you know, because I message you and like the memes on your, I've never seen an emetophobia meme ever. And it just like brought me so much joy because it was like, you know, like the Bernie Sanders one who was like, I'm once again asking if this chicken looks good to you. Yeah. It, was just like, it was just like normalizing it for me because, and I was like showing it to my boyfriend. I was like, isn't this me? And he, he like even made him laugh. And what was the other one? Oh yeah, you know the one where it's like, the guy stood in the corner, it's like a cartoon. And he's like at a party and he's like, they don't know that my tummy hurts, but I'm being really brave. <laughs> I was like, that I know just... I, I felt the same thing about myself. I'm like, I do that all the time where I'm like in the store and I'm just like, God, I'm so nauseous, but I'm like, I'm going to get through this. Like, it's just one of those yeah, like, I'm dumb being things. Really brave. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. That's hilarious. No, I'm glad <laughs> the memes help. 
I find a lot of them on Reddit. Like I just see, cause I follow all the emetophobia stuff on Reddit. I really enjoy Reddit a lot and um, they'll just pop up every once in a while. I'm like, I'm just going to share it. Cause it's a meme in my, in my opinion, a meme is meant to be shared. So it's like, I'm not going to, and I, the, actually one of the people who made the memes that I've been sharing commented on the meme and was like, I made this meme. And I was like, you know, I kind of thought about that would happen. Cause it's like, I follow so many people with emetophobia. I've got to mm-hmm. find one of them who's made one of these memes, you know, it's like, it's kind of crazy. Well, I, I actually thought about sharing cause I was like saving loads of them. Cause I was like, these are so funny. I can't wait to show them to like my, you know, my close friends that know about my phobia and I thought about sharing it but you know I feel like because like I said I don't know anyone with this phobia I feel like if I shared it people would be like what like, that's so weird what do you mean um, it's very specific, it's me, yeah. like it's so personal and it's so funny um but yeah it's like it's very niche <laughs> so I wasn't yeah. sure where I could share that I know I need to get more. I'm, I have Canva now. So I'm thinking about trying to make my own because it's like there's so many other ones that I could probably make. I just oh need God, to do, do it, it, spend the time to do that. it. But yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Um, so what has emetophobia stopped you from doing in life that you wish you could have done? Oh, my God. What hasn't it stopped you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say, well, like I, I, I do push myself and there has been instances where I've sort of gone somewhere and, you know, so a lot of people will and, and most of the time it is when they say, once you're there, it'll be fine. And there's been instances where I've actually pushed myself to do something and it wasn't fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just sort of the general thing of, you know, parties that, you know, I, I didn't go to because I was, you know, scared people would be drinking too much. Um, films, you know, going to the cinema times where I've just sort of cancelled last minute. Um, I think one thing that where it did really affect my life was um, a couple. So like before the pandemic, I had this job that I really loved. Um, and it was in the city so I'd have to get the tube every day to the city and I'm on the central line which is like the busiest line it's it gets absolutely rammed like I don't mean to interrupt you call the train the tube yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's a hilarious like we've got like overground trains but then like the underground is called like the tube okay I've never been on a train so I don't even know like what a train's like in the first place but that's funny oh, that you really? guys call them tubes yeah that's cool is that, is that because of your emetophobia or is that because of just where you live I just I live in a place where we're like surrounded by woods everywhere so like we just don't oh. really have trains around here we have like trains that um haul like products but there's not money that you can hop on and just go riding you know what I mean so yeah. continue I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt I just was curious no, no, about no, that. Fine. well where I live it's like if you want to get anywhere it's either the bus or the tube (laughs) or a train and um so yeah for every day for work I'd have to go on the tube on the central line and it was just like it was like hell every single day and I really loved my job and when I you know when I got to the office I loved it I loved the people I work with everyone was so lovely um but so I so I went for a stage my anxiety was bad anyway I was sort of having my own mental health problems but sort of to top that off it was the fear, you know, sort of even getting out of bed was difficult due to my mental health problems. But the thought of trying to get dressed, get on a train, the tube, <laughs> and, um, you know, go on this sort of like 45 minute journey to work was just so overwhelming to me. And it got to the point where I actually got signed off of work from the doctor because my anxiety was just so terrible. And I think that sort of ultimately ended my job there. So I did get technically made like redundant, um, but I think there were sort of things leading up to that being signed off. And not that they would have ever sort of made me redundant because of mental health, like that's not what they're, they're very supportive of mental health, this company. But I think in hindsight, I think for myself, when they sort of mentioned the redundancy, it was almost like a relief because I knew that I didn't have to you know do this journey. So 
as much as I've got a job now that I really love and um, I'm really happy with, you know, the thing I'm, I'm working from home, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think I do massively regret letting that, that job sort of slip through my hands a bit due to, um, you know, greatly my phobia affecting my traveling to work. It was really difficult. And especially in the summer, because we literally don't, there's no air con on, on the tube and it's obviously underground. Oh yeah. People, when I say packed in, I mean, I don't know how to do it's like you can't you can't move it's like you have to sort of get squished onto the train and um there was often times you know people would faint um which I don't like as well like that sort of freaks me out also um I remember there was like this one guy who got on the train and he was like really coughing and sort of gagging as he was coughing and I was like oh my god I need to get off the train right now you know so I was always I either had my headphones in and my head down my eyes closed or I'd sort of be completely alert and I'd be like looking around at people sort of looking for any signs of sickness. And I think people would sometimes look at me and be like, why is this bitch looking at me at like 7am <laughs> in the morning? But it's because I was like, you know, sort of looking for signs of people looking ill or things like that. So yeah, that was really hard. And I think that ultimately sort of ended my time at that job. Um, but yeah, obviously like in general, emetophobia stops us doing a lot of things. Um, but also, like I said, I've, I've come on leaps and bounds really and I've gotten a lot better and I push myself to go to parties that I'm anxious about, to try new restaurants, um, you know, to go to the cinema, you know, little things like that. I've, I, I have pushed myself and I'm getting better every day, really. Yeah. What's your uh, biggest emetophobia win of like your entire life? What's the biggest thing you've ever done that you're like, I just could never do that and you did it? Okay, so I have one. I'm not sure if this is like a good story, but I'll, I'll tell it. So. Um, Last year, I, um, before bed, I was feeling really sick and I was thinking, you know, you've felt this before, it's going to pass, just go to sleep. I woke up about an hour later and I said to my boyfriend, I'm, I feel really like, as in, I need to go to the toilet. I think I'm going to be sick that, you know, it was like a really big deal. And, um, so bless him. He like came with me, he was with me the whole time. And I, um, I basically went through all of the motions of being sick without anything sort of coming out. So I was like, you know, gagging, mm-hmm. coughing. I still to this day have no idea why that happened. It, it might've just been like anxiety, just sort of, you know, really coming to a head. Um, but I felt so sick and I was crying. And my boyfriend said to me, look, there's clearly something going on. Uh, you may have eaten something, you may sort of, you know, have a bug, but your body is telling you something needs to come out. So I think what you should do, because your body is clearly sort of like stopping you doing it, um, I think you should take matters into your own hands and, you know, bring it up yourself type thing. And I was just like, fuck, no, like, are you <laughs> joking? I was like, that goes against every instinct I have. And he was saying, I really think you should do it. I think you'll just feel so much better if you just, if it just came out. And I did it. And like, it it took like a good sort of like 15 minutes of me like sobbing and him being like, you can do this. You could like, you know, really amping me up. Um, But I did it and um, yeah, I felt so much better. And that for me was like, I would never in a million years have dreamt that I would ever do that. Like, could you imagine an emetophobe making themselves like, do you know what I mean? That's just like everything that we're against, but I did it. I felt so much better. so that for me is probably like the biggest one I have. Another one was, um, again, I think it was like three years ago, um, I had a sickness bug and I came home from work and I was really ill. And it was the first time that I'd ever um, been sick by myself. No one was in the house. My parents weren't there. My sister wasn't there. No one was in. Um, and I got through it and I did it all by myself. 
um, by the end of the night because it was happening so much. I sort of became desensitized to it. Um, and I wasn't even sort of getting that dread. You know, when you sort of, you're start, you, you can feel it coming and you're thinking, oh my God, here we go. I wasn't even getting that by the end of the night. And that for me was like a really big deal that I got through that by myself. And I didn't, you know, have someone there sort of rubbing my back or, um, yeah. you know, just holding my hand with me through it. So that was also a really big deal. What yeah, about that's you? Huge. What your biggest in life? Um, I had a similar story this last 4th of July. I drank way too much and I got a little too like happy on the boat and we were out in the boat and stuff, having fun. And, um, I just drank like a ton of beers and I didn't realize how many I had. And I also drank like Trulies and stuff and like just stuff I never really do, you know, I was like, let everything go. Mm. And that right there was kind of a win for me. And one, cause like, I've always been so afraid of alcohol in that way. I've just like, I've, I've, I've become an alcoholic in my life at one point and it was kind of a bad time in my life. But once I moved past it, and even with the metaphobia though, I still wasn't like a full blown alcoholic. Like I, I drank a lot of beer, but it was like, I had a very close limit and I always ate chips and drank water every time. Like it was very specific, but this one particular time, yeah, I drank way too much, got off the boat. We went back inside. I went to bed. We slept in a tent that night outside. Cause it was like summer and it was nice. And I woke up in the morning and I took like two sips of water and I just instantly felt so sick. Like, and I was white. I was so pale. I just like, I was dehydrated. I had the worst hangover my entire life. And that same day I had the same thing happen where I gagged a bunch and I, I thought I was going to be sick, but I, and nothing came out. It was just like the worst intense gagging for me. I didn't, I didn't really feel like I needed to make myself sick in that moment just because like I didn't have anything in me anyway. Like there was, there was just water. So I'm just like, there's nothing going on, but mm -hmm afterwards and my girlfriend was there with me she was like patting my, I'm just like she's like what do I do I'm like I was just frozen I was like I have no idea I don't know I'm scared like I am terrified right now and I'm like standing outside with my hand on the side of the fucking house just like keeled over and just like gagging I'm like this is the worst experience of my entire life and so so that same day though we um I, I kind of just like went home and I laid down and I felt kind of sick the rest of the day and I drank a bunch of water I had to go to work the next day or whatever so I was fine but I think it was just a moment of like my mindset changing from like this is the worst thing in the world to like that really wasn't so bad it took about like five minutes and I mean yeah it was really traumatic in the moment but afterwards I was like fine and everything was okay and I moved on with my day and I think that's um the biggest part too and like you were saying about how your boyfriend uh helped you to kind of push you to do what you didn't want to do I think that's what um I've seen a lot with my exes is where they don't do that for me. They'll be like, Oh man, like they kind of like, um, uh, like tell me everything's going to be okay. And then, uh, they don't actually help me with my emetophobia. They almost kind of make it worse. They kind of draw me back from the things I should be doing instead of doing like, mm -hmm. Oh, that, you know, that's expired. We're going to throw that away. Or, Oh, and it's like, sometimes I just do need to like, you know, take the L and just do it. Like, I just need to like, you know, let me do the hard thing here. And that's what, in that moment, she was very helpful for that. of just saying like, kind of like walking me through the entire situation and, and not just like making me run away from it. She's like, well, maybe you do need to be sick. Like maybe that would help you. And it was just, she was very, yeah. she was very helpful in that moment, but that was my biggest win. I think um, another one too was um, getting my driver's license and driving a car. Like that was huge for me. Cause I, I really had a problem with cars. I was my, my emetophobia stems from a, a traumatic moment with my old friend. He had food poisoning in a car I was in and I was stuck in the car with him. He, I was his passenger and he was the driver. So every five oh, minutes we're pulling over and on the side of the highway. So we're going like 70 on the highway and he just keeps whipping over on the side. And like, there's one point where he just opened the door while we were driving and did it. I'm just like, dude. And at the time I didn't have emetophobia. I didn't have, like, I didn't know that it was even a thing. Oh, so, it was the next day I went to my friend's house and the anxiety of that first of that day with him, I was at a party that night and I ended up like passing out. I wasn't, I, I, I took like two hits off a joint. I wasn't even that high. I think I drank like half a beer and I went in the back room and I like passed out 
And when I woke up, I couldn't breathe. And I was having like a really bad panic attack. And it was like seven in the morning, had my mom come pick me up. And then from that day forward, it's just been like this, like it never stopped. That's why I always say that was my day where it, like it all conjured itself into one big ball of emetophobia. Yeah, that's where that, I'm at now, so. that, I mean, that sounds traumatic. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> and yeah. It was like, it was like your trigger. It was like, it, tra- it traumatized you really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so that's why I always had a problem with cars. Cause I felt very out of control in cars and I didn't want to ride with strangers or on a bus or anywhere like that. So I really stayed away from that. But my friend kind of pushed me and he said, Hey man, like I'm tired of driving your ass around all the time. So uh, we're going to go get you a driver's license. So he took me to the DMV, got me the paperwork. I paid the 50 bucks to go get it done or whatever. I had to do the test. And that was really traumatic as well. Like I'm so scared, like shaking in this car with this random lady and I have to just like keep it cool. And so, yeah, once I got my driver's license, though, everything's been great. And I've, I've had it for a long time now and driving's been okay. And I, I doesn't even bother me anymore, but it's just one of those things where I never thought I could drive a car and I, I do now every day. So. Cool. Yeah, no, that that definitely helped me also. And I think as well, just like being in control. And also, you know, you know how I was saying about being able to leave when you want to leave? Because mm-hmm. I think as well, when you're when you're not driving, if you sort of go like, you know, on New Year's Eve, we was invited to um our lovely friends hosted this um New Year's Eve party at their house and we were staying over and they live quite far away. Um, and that for me in itself was a bit of a win because um obviously I was drinking, I was staying over, um, and it was one of those things where you know, I, because I was drinking, I couldn't then just sort of drive if I was getting anxious or if someone, you know, got ill. Um, so yeah, I think driving is a really, it, it was really important to me knowing that, you know, that freedom of being, you know, I can go to somewhere, but also if I get uncomfortable, or if someone gets ill, I can leave. Um, and also, yeah, you know, not having to be a passenger and feeling motion sick and things like that. So that's quite important. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on um, having children? Are you kind of like iffy about it still or are you pretty uh, positive about it? I'm super iffy about it. I'm super, super iffy about it because uh, I mean, just just in general anyway, just when I was younger, I was always one of those kids that was like, I can't wait to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom when I'm like 20. And now I'm like, I can't think of anything worse. (laughs) I literally can't think of anything worse than having a kid right now. Um, But I have I have actually spoken about this with people because um, not only is it just sort of, you know, the morning sickness and things like that, that is obviously just, you know, something I dread. I think also as well, I don't want to pass my phobia onto my child Mm. Um, because I mean, you know, it's not her fault, but my mum has a terrible phobia of spiders um and we definitely all got that from her sort of like you know learned behavior of you see a spider it's terrifying you scream and something I would really hate is not only sort of you know if my child was to be ill not being able to be there for them but also um them having that phobia because I know more than anyone how debilitating it can be and how it sort of you know disrupts your life and I would hate for my child to have that um, so I think that's also something that that's sort of one of the main things I dread. And I would love, you know, before, if I ever considered having children in the future, um, you know, to sort of speak to someone about it and see if there's something, you know, coping things that I can do um, with that. Because obviously kids get it all the time. I mean, sure, that's actually just re- reminding me. I also had another whim, another big one. And this was maybe like four years ago, three or four years ago. Um, my best friend has a baby and he's my godson. And I, adore him he's so cute and um one time I was around her house and like we was trying to get him to go to sleep and I was like giving him his bottle rocking him 
and he just wasn't having it and I was like you know rocking him rocking him rocking him bottle you know things like that and then suddenly I mean it was completely my fault I was like rocking him loads I was like go to sleep you know and um he got sick um all over me like and I know that sounds kind of like god like that sounds like a really traumatic experience like why didn't you sort of mention this sooner because that sounds like you know someone a person was sick on me um but in that moment as much as it was you know it was unpleasant I was more worried about him I was sort of like, you know, because he was lying down, so I had to sort of like sit him up. I was scared about him choking. In that moment, I was sort of more concerned about, is he okay? Um, you know, does he, you know, any, anything like that, I was just more worried for him. So that that experience did sort of open my eyes a bit in a sense of, I wonder if I, if it was my own kid, would I be able to sort of cope with it more in a sense of like, I'd be more concerned for their safety, more concerned if, that they were okay than my own fear. I just, I just don't know until I'm in that situation, but it's definitely a worry for sure. It's like a massive, massive worry. I think for like, oh, most- I think, I, th- I think that with the experience that you had, I think that's a huge form of exposure therapy that you went through. And I, I've had to go through the same and um, it was very traumatic in the moment, but later on, I, I mean, you just gotta like, you put the love first every time it's weird. It's like, you don't, and especially when they're babies or when they're kids, they don't know what's going on. So you almost feel like it's like when somebody tells you that they're sick, you kind of want to make them feel better. So you're like, here's water. Here's this, here's this, here's this. You want some mints? You want some gum? I got this. Like you try to do everything you can for yourself that you would do. And then you try to do it to them. I think that's what you do for the the children as well as like, you want to make them feel as comfortable as possible. I mean, at least I do. And that's what I've learned over the years is because there was a time where um, just a small story. I, I, I used to have, my ex-girlfriend has two kids and it was three and four years old, not my kids, but hers. And, um, I lived with them and the little boy was very picky about food and he, I gave him some scrambled eggs and I, I like used the, the egg wash that I um, made the French toast with. So there was like cinnamon in it. So I, I didn't really realize that that was going to be that gross at the time because I tried it too and it was disgusting, but he took one bite and he got sick all over his lap, all over the plate and everything. And in the moment I just like, and the, the, the rest of us, the, the mom and the, her two friends were in the other room, like talking. And I was out there with them watching cartoons or whatever. And he did that. And I just like, I, I went to go get up and run away. Like, I didn't know what to do. And I, and then I, I mean, I eventually just ran and was like, I need help. I need help. Like, I don't know. And I just picked the plate up and I like put it in the sink and I like helped him up. I took his clothes off. I was like, let's get you changed, man. Like it was just one of those moments where I just took control of the situation versus running away. I wanted to run away so bad. Like, that's my only thought was like, get out of here, like go outside, just get fresh air, like get the fuck away from yeah. this kid. But in the moment I was like, the love just took over. And I was like, I love this little kid though. Like he's great. And I want him to take care of him, make him feel comfortable. I would hate to be in his situation right now. Like that would suck. So yeah, I think 100%. that really matters. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And when that, when that happened to me, it was kind of like, yeah, my initial instinct is to be like, oh my God, and just sort of like pass him to someone else. Like, oh shit, get him away. But yeah, it was like, I was the same. It was kind of like uh, the my love for him sort of over uh, overtook that. And I was, I kind of, you know, sat him up and was rubbing his back saying, are you okay? Are you okay? I think it was more afterwards that I sort of started to um, have the fear. I think in that moment, I just, I, I was just sort of blinded by the love. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it was, I was more concerned for him. And then afterwards I kind of thought, oh my God, like I've just had a kid be sick all over me. And I, I handled that and I didn't like yeah. run out the door. I didn't have like a panic attack. And yeah, so yeah, I get that and that sort of initial, but then sort of, yeah, dealing with it is like really important. If you do, if you hear a little girl screaming, I, I live, my roommates have a three-year-old girl that's here. So she's out, her, my, her room is right across the hall from mine. So <laughs> she's out there playing around. But um, so I want to talk about some pets. You, I saw you might have a dog on your Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Does your dog help you quite a bit with your metaphobia? Um, 
Yeah, like, uh, so I've had, uh, how many dogs have I had in my lifetime now? About four dogs. And I used to work at a vet. So I worked at a vet for two years. I love dogs. I love cats. I love any animal, really. I'm a big animal lover. Um, yeah. Weirdly with me, I'm not sure if this is something that anyone else has had. I am not scared of animals sick or animals being sick. And um, maybe that's because I worked at vets and just sort of like being exposed to it every single day. Um, But yeah, like, I mean, even recently we got a puppy in lockdown last year. That's my dog now. He's called Branston. And um, he, I remember my boyfriend was here and my um, stepsister was here and the dog, um, the puppy got sick and they literally just like couldn't even look at it. They like had to like, like how I would be if someone was sick and they, you know, they they was gagging they couldn't go near it. And I was like, I'll clean it up. Like, I don't care. Like it was just nothing to me. Mm. Um, so that is, that is something I do find pretty strange is like, I don't know why I'm not, I'm not scared of it. When I was younger, I actually was when I, we had a dog when I was younger and if he was ever sick, I wouldn't go near him for like a week. <laughs> like, I, even though I know full well, you can't really, you can't catch like sickness bugs from dogs. I just didn't want to go near him in case he was sick again you know things like that but um yeah I'm, I'm I'm pretty cool with animals being sick but yeah my dogs are the best like I think any animals are like the best therapy in the world they know yeah. when something's up they come and comfort you um so yeah I can't can't recommend enough <laughs> that's good yeah we have a cat he's awesome he's over here just sleeping by the window just he, oh. he, every morning he wakes me up he sits there and he makes these weird little like noises all morning because there's birds on the bird feeders and he just loves watching uh-huh. the birds he just looks like his little friends but he's What's big fat name? cat uh oliver holly uh, he's a big fat cat oh yeah he's huge oh he's my god fat guy. cats are the best yeah well he i think he like he's got something wrong with his back legs they're like deteriorating a little bit they have been for a long time so he's not as active as he should be and he eats a lot so like we have this like special um. little dish that he, he eats with so it's like a slow you down dish so it's got like these little like prongs in it and stuff so. yeah <laughs> but he's a good cat he's a great he's a great cat but um uh what about some advice for other emetophobes i don't know it's hard really because I, f- I feel like a bit of a uh, like an imposter giving advice to people when I feel like you know I'm sort of still figuring it out myself um what advice would I give I mean I think just what we've really been talking about you know I know it sounds like you know the obvious sort of advice but pushing yourself into uncomfortable situations is so 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 important Uh, you know I've never had sort of official exposure therapy from like a therapist but you know just throughout my life you know sickness and things like it's just it's so um you know in in movies and tv shows it's it's everywhere it's like you know everywhere we go nights out people drinking it's just you know it's so common um and putting yourself into situations that make you uncomfortable that um you know that you can sort of you feel like you've sort of conquered something I think is so important because I feel stronger every time I feel like I've got myself through a situation I never thought I could um, and obviously there's going to be setbacks there's going to be times where you put yourself into situations where maybe it didn't it didn't go great and maybe you did have an anxiety attack and you had to leave but that's absolutely fine we're all allowed our setbacks every now and again but I think continue to push yourself is like the biggest thing I would say is continue to put yourself into those situations because my, my parents are very much like um are very much like you don't quit you don't quit anything you keep going you don't just leave you 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 see it you know see it through um for example this is a big one this is like a really big um emetophobia story this is like one of the 
big ones in my life that I remember. I was in um, a show on the West End. It was called, you know, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? <laughs> do you know yes, that? Yes, I do. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like a, I think it's like a biblical like story but it, it, was, it was there was a show and um I was part of um they had like a choir of kids in the show and I was part of the choir and like um we was like on the stage and it would be like the, the we had like stairs either side so we would all sit on the stairs sing throughout the show and then at one point in the show we all sort of ran down the stairs and we had to sort of like run run around in a circle and sing and I remember there was um a lovely girl um who would sit behind me on the stairs and that day she was saying, I feel really, I really don't feel well. I feel really sick. And I was saying to the, like, we had like chaperones there, um, obviously to like look after the kids. And like, I remember saying to the chaperones, you know, this girl feels really ill. Should she not go on stage? And they were saying, oh, don't be silly. She's fine. She's fine. Anyway, so it comes to the part in the show where we all have to run down the stairs. We all run in the circle. We're all singing. And basically what, what ends up happening is we all end up in like a semicircle around like the main guy. And we all like, we're all singing. And then we, we end with like all our arms in the air. And this girl is stood next to me and she just like bends down and is just like really, really badly sick. And this oh, is like no. a, a West End show. This is like in, you know, like on the, like, like Broadway. Do you know what I mean? And like, um, and I was just like, oh my god in so much shock and then sort of after we do this we have to run back up the stairs again and sort of get back to our places so as she's running she's being sick and then as she's coming up the stairs she's being sick over the stairs so that was super traumatic um and obviously like it's not her fault like you know she was clearly really and it was probably more embarrassing for her you know really traumatic for her but I remember for like the next week the stage like whenever we'd have to go to work like um it had this funky smell um and in my mind just because I'm this I have this weird brain because this happened in like the first act of the show from that point onwards when I was doing this show I would like the first act I would sort of be you know like white knuckling it like sat there like complete tense anxious you know awful and then I felt sort of like safe in the second act um, and I remember sort of begging my parents I can't do this show I can't do it anymore like this you know I'm so anxious every night that someone's going to be sick, things like that. But they really pushed me and they made me see it through. Like they, they got me to, I went to every single show. I didn't miss one. Um, and even though it was really stressful and really hard afterwards, I did feel like, yeah, I'd conquered something huge. Um, and it's one of those things, isn't it? Right. It's like, you know, once you've conquered that, what else can I do next? And it's sort of like, well, I've done that in the past. I can do this type thing. So yeah, so I've waffled on a bit, but yeah, conquering <laughs> scary situations, I think is, is a big one. That's really good. No, very well said. No, I, I think it's the biggest part of being comfortable in the uncomfortable. That's what I've learned over the years. That's what's really gotten me through with, with exposure therapy, pushing myself with my anxiety, getting, I always say it's like the get to the next sign, get to the next part of the sidewalk, get to the next door. It's like just, it's very small steps that then um, accumulate into a very large, like open world of things that you can do for yourself. And um, I always preach the five second rule too. It's where like you count down from five and you just do it. Like there's no if, ands or buts. There's no, oh, I don't know. It's just five, four, three, two, one. And you just walk in and you do what you need to do. And I think that's yeah. been really pushing me a lot too. And cold showers. I like the, the, I, oh, I yeah, preach this to everybody. About that. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I might actually try um, that. <laughs> you should. And like, you don't have to go right into a cold shower. You can take a nice warm shower for as long as you want. It's just the last like 30 seconds, just kick it all the way down to cold and just see how long you can stand there. And if you can, if you can only do it for like three seconds and turn it off, that's fine. But 
It's all about just like showing yourself that you can do things that are very uncomfortable. And then when you get out of it, you're like, like, it's just like this overwhelming (laughs) amount of power you feel afterwards because your body's just in shock. It's like fight or flight for a second. And you might have a panic attack. The first one, I had a really bad panic attack. My first one I ever did. Um, But after that, it's been getting easier and easier and easier and easier. And now I can just stand there. Like at the end of my shower, I just turn it off and I almost just like sit there and it's like kind of soothing. I try to get it all over my head and all about my back and stuff, but that's been really helping. and, And I just like it a lot. I know what you mean by that like kind of there's been times where um something's come up on the tv like say like someone's being sick on the tv or something like that and my initial instinct like set up with the cold shower is to be like you know get get away from this like awful feeling um Mm -hmm. and there's been times you know my initial reaction is to sort of you know turn off the tv or say for example a good one is the jackass films I love the jackass films but you know when there's the parts where like Steve-o. Like, Steve-o is the worst yeah he the worst. Gets sick. and like um recently I, like so every time I've ever watched them with my friends whatever I'm always like can we fast forward this bit because I, I know I know it's coming up I'm like I don't like this bit fast forward it um but I watched them actually recently I, I just went for a stage of just like re-watching them and I didn't fast forward and wow. I and I did really well and I, <laughs> I was so brave and um you know as, as much as there were sort of times I might have sort of looked away or I might have kind of slyly not been looking I did really you know push myself to watch them and I know it sounds like the silliest thing like oh great you sat through a jackass film well done you but for me that was like a really big deal I actually looked like you know watched it and I forced myself to do it um and I felt so much better after that because when when as a child I would never like if there was anything to do with sickness anything on the tv I would like you know scream run out the room I'd have an anxiety attack but um it just goes to show that now I can sort of you know watch a film comfortably um and get through it and it's for some people it's like the, the tiniest little thing but for me that was like a really big deal and you know I felt great after it no I know exactly what you mean the, the jackass films I still have problems and like I'm pretty over my metaphobia at this point in my life but watching those films still to this day I watched a documentary about Steve-O recently like his documentary he put out and it like almost brought back traumatic moments in my life where I'm like god I remember watching those videos where it was like in the moment yeah I didn't even have metaphobia before and I would watch them and it would still like get me really nauseous just because like it was so intense I'm like dude like why do you have to show every last bit of that like you can't just cut that part out but no that's really good and and I would I would equate the jackass films to basically a cold shower for emetophobia people. It's just one of those things you don't want to fucking do it, but once you do, you feel great afterwards, and you're like, I'm gonna live another day. I'm fine. Everything's good. So. Well, if I if I end up doing a cold shower, I'll let you know, and I'll let you know how long I lasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I like I said, it's not about how long you last. It's just the fact that you did it. That's it. Like yeah, as long okay, as you do yeah. it that because like that's the thing that Wim Hof always says too. the guy who I learned this from is Wim Hof he's the dude that climbed on Everest with just his shorts on like nothing else yes. and um his whole thing too is like don't ever force yourself to do things but push yourself to do things so it's like if you if you're in the cold shower don't be like I have to go 30 seconds or I'm not going to complete this just be like I did it I no matter how long it took and like how how long I was in it I still did it that's all that mattered so I think that's where we're at and it's like it's just about doing a little bit better each and every time and not just like pushing yourself super hard the first time and then overwhelming yourself and I suppose it's like one of those things it's like doing something that feels like for us seeing someone being sick or being sick ourselves is something that's so unnatural to us you know whereas for other people it's like supernatural and you know super like you know or whatever but like say like you know just the cold shower that must be the most unnatural feeling of being mm-hmm. in like a freezing cold shower and letting that run over you um, and actually like pushing yourself to do that into like a, a situation that feels so unnatural I can imagine is like really beneficial. 
Yeah, I think uh, some really quick advice too, if you're going to do the cold shower thing, take your warm shower and then right before you're about to turn it cold, do some breathing exercises, like kind of breathe kind of heavy, you know, like big like, in and out breath. Away a bit. Yeah, get, <laughs> your, get yourself ready. And then when I do the cold part, I let all my breath out completely and just hold it like that for a second. And then I go cold. And then as soon as I'm ready, my body's already like kind of flushed of oxygen. And then as soon as I'm ready to take that breath, it's like, Ooh, like it just instantly hits you and you're like, Oh my God, it's so cold. And then you just have to focus on breathing after that. And your, your breath will be really like slow and it's hard to breathe because it's so cold. But if you can just focus on the breathing part, you can almost go as long as you want at that point. Like it's just, just keep going. You know, that's, it's really fun. Um, we're pushing, <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're pushing about an hour. I want to talk really, really quickly about therapy. Have you ever seen a therapist? And if you did, have they helped you in any way? Um, I've seen many therapists in my life. Um, I think just as a kid, um, because like my parents went through a divorce and like the school when everyone was like really worried about me because, you know, it's like traumatic as a kid, but I've never spoken to a therapist ever about emetophobia ever mm -hmm. in my life. And, and to this day, uh, when I, you know, I, I might sort of like briefly bring it up to my doctor, they sort of say things like, well, let's just focus on the anxiety for now. Um, because I think they just don't equate it in like the same, you know, conversation so um yeah therapy in general has helped me and that was when I got sort of my diagnosis of anxiety because uh before getting a diagnosis I just thought anxiety was just something that you would you know when people say oh I feel a bit anxious um I had no idea it was something you could actually be diagnosed with so that um really opened my eyes to like who I am as a person and how my brain works and things like that um but yeah, like it, I've never spoken to anyone about my metaphobia. I'd be really interested to do so. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a bit difficult because we have the NHS here. Um, the waiting list is like two years for like um, a therapist, let alone, I, I, I have no idea what they would do, you know, in regards to like phobia therapy and things like that. But um, I would definitely be interested to do so. And I have been thinking about it recently about speaking to my doctor about that, but um, yeah. <laughs> I do want to bring something up too. I never really brought it up on the podcast, but I've a lot of people have talked to me about it. It's this thing called the Thrive Program. I don't know if you ever heard about that. It's like an orange booklet. Um, I've had a lot of people like talk to me and say, you know, you should try this Thrive thing. I know it costs some money. I've never personally tried it. I don't like endorse it or anything. It's not like a part of the podcast, but at the end of the day, like I hear a lot of good stories about it. So it might just be something to look into if you can't necessarily get therapy where you're at or anybody who's listening can't get therapy where they're at um it's just you can literally buy the book on amazon it's like a workbook that you go through and i think there's also people who like will help you through it there's like um like ambassadors who kind of sell the book and they kind of help you through the book as you do it and stuff but i do have somebody who emailed me about it and wants to come on the podcast so i might do that here soon but i didn't want to push it too hard because i don't know what it is yet and i'm like i don't really want to like push it to everybody but if if awesome. therapy is a problem this might be an extra like thing you could look into if, if anything i don't think it was it was like 30 dollars for the book so it's not too expensive but um but yeah, um, that being said, it's been about an hour. This has been an absolutely amazing podcast. Super easy to talk to you. It's been a, a really good podcast. So I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you. Yes. It's been really nice. And like I said, you're the first person I have ever spoken to with emetophobia ever. So this has been like really refreshing. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty easy though. It was a nice conversation for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? If you want to do any plugs on any of your stuff or social media, anything? why not <laughs> um so i'm i'm a photographer so i've got um a photography instagram it's called emily.rose.creative um so follow me on there see my uh, photography and my personal instagram is linked if you want to give me a follow my dms are always open um yeah <laughs> cool
Cool. Well, um, we'll definitely try to have a part two sometime because I want to have you on maybe a little bit later down the road, see where you're doing, see how everything's going with you and everything. Yeah, I like to do great. a follow up. So cool, cool. Well, um, yeah, that being said, thank you so much for coming on and we'll see you on the next one. Cool. Thank you for chatting with me. Awesome. Have a good day. You too. Bye.